The NFL Conference Championship games are set. We've got some MLB free agency news and more coming up. But before that, just in, Philip Rivers has officially retired. That and more on the Takes on Tap show. I'ma knock it out the park, Louisville slugger. Got a chick wearing crop top, nothing else under. Drop a gear, speed and pass, finish first, burn rubber. Get your girl off of me, bro. No, I don't. And welcome in, guys. And if you already haven't noticed, uh, this episode should be a lot better, a lot clearer. Yeah, that's the hope. We got some new mics in the studio. Um, it's one half, because we still got to get the uh, the kitchen table out of there, of course. That's the big one. If you watch on YouTube, yeah. If, yeah, if you do watch on YouTube, you know all about the, the kitchen table, but... Hopefully this is a uh, this is much better than what what it used to be, but let's get into some sports talk because that's really all they're here for. Yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, like I just said, Philip Rivers has officially called it quits after seventeen years. Of course, sixteen of those seasons were in San Diego slash Los Angeles, and then year number seventeen, he went to Lucas Oil Stadium to go play with the Colts. So, as a Colts fan, uh, what's your initial reaction? You know, what do you think of Philip Rivers? Are you happy about it? Are you sad? You you happy? I know the whole year you bitched and whined about Philip Rivers. Okay, uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly indifferent about this. I don't know how to feel. I'm not, uh, I'm not happy that he, I'm happy for him. Uh, you know, I'm sad that we don't have that guy in the locker room anymore because I know all the guys on the team loved him. Uh, they they preached about that all year. How much Philip was uh, such a great guy to have around. Uh, his trash talk will be, for surely missed uh, around the NFL. Um, but just for me specifically, am I happy that uh, he's not going to be the quarterback next year? I don't know. I, I've already been hardened two years ago about the Andrew Luck retirement. That that honestly was the worst, one of the worst days I've had as a sports fan in my life. So th- this one is obviously not as uh, not as big because he was only here for one year in Indianapolis. So do I think this is going to be a good thing for the Colts? Yes, because I think that we are in dire need of an upgrade. And whether or not he stayed on the Colts uh, this upcoming season or in the 2021 season, I think we were still going to look for an upgrade. So honestly, I think this is the best just, This is the best move for him. You know, he's 39 years old. He's going to be a head coach at a high school in Alabama. He's what he's been trying to do for the last few years. So good on him. He can spend more time with his family. And the Colts can move on as a football team with the, with the younger quarterback. Yeah, maybe we call him a you know future head coach of the New York Giants, Philip Rivers, right? Mm, that would be mighty interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I'm happy for him. But you know who I'm not happy for? His wife. His wife must be so scared, and he's got all that free time on his hands. You know, the stress of being a high school coach with those players can't be too happy if I'm his wife. But nonetheless, <laughs> big congratulations to Philip Rivers. He got a great career. Most likely a future Hall of Famer. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, we obviously get in Hall of Famers all day, whether or not he's like the hall of very good or first ballot, whatever it may be. But once again, congratulations to him for his incredible career. He's the 17th season as one of the better quarterbacks uh, of this generation. Yeah, never forget, he played an entire game without an ACL. Yeah, the AFC Championship game without an ACL. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, also, it is rumored that Drew Brees is going to officially retire. Uh, no official word yet from the team or from Drew Brees himself. Of course, that's per Jay Glazer. So we'll touch on that a little bit after. But first, what is next for the Indianapolis Colts? There are a lot of options for the Colts. Uh, If we want to start with the guy that has been around there for a couple of years, Jacoby Brissett, um, I'm very confident as a fan and as an analyst as well to to say that Jacoby Brissett, if he does have to step in as a starter once again, I think he'll do just fine. Will this team be a playoff team with him next year? That's up in the air because as we saw in 2019, they finished seven and nine, despite how well he did to start the year. He, I mean, he had a five and two record, fourteen touchdowns, three interceptions. Before that, flipped upside its head. 
Uh, that's in the past, but I think Jacoby Brissett is a perfect safety valve for this team if there are if there are no other options at the quarterback position. But the big question, though, is for now second-year quarterback Jacob Eason. Scott, what do you feel about him? Because I personally am not as high in it, on him as other people may be. Yeah, so all the social media experts love Jacob Eason, and I, I can definitely see why. He's got the look. He's got the frame of a quarterback. You think quarterback, you look at Jacob Eason, that's him. Your typical Nickelodeon high school movie, right? Of course, he started out of Georgia. He had a great year. Uh, and then, you know, Jake Fromm comes in, beats him out. He goes and transfers uh, to his home school in Washington. He put up great numbers, great stats, uh, but Jacob Eason was the middle-round pick. I think um, it, it's not the best option, but I, I wouldn't uh, doubt to trust Frank Reich if they did believe in Jacob Eason um, just because of the pure and raw talent that he has. You know, um, when you mold something, uh, most of the time it can come out pretty good. So that's what I think about Jacob Eason for now. Uh, but some of my more favorite options, uh, as we're going to get into the you know, realistic slash dream scenarios. Uh, I would love to talk about Carson Wentz. We brought it up on the show before. Yes, I'm going to bring it up here again. Carson Wentz in Indianapolis is just too, too sexy. His old OC, Frank Reich, um, take a look at that Photoshop. Um, it's beautiful. Honestly, beautiful. It's, it's pretty nice Photoshop. If, continue. Yeah. Great, great Photoshop. <laughs> great Photoshop. But, um, I mean, his MVP level year in, in 2017 Carson Wentz was out of his mind. He was. You look at the tape, and I remember watching the games. He looked like how Patrick Mahomes looks today. Phenomenal. Frank Reich leaves, and you know Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl, and everything goes downhill in Philadelphia. A change of scenery is needed for Carson Wentz, and when I think of an Indianapolis Colts quarterback, Carson Wentz is what I have in mind. Strong. He, he works hard. It advances and stretches everything he can, he, he can do for a first down. You know, hard-working mid-collar guy. That's Carson Wentz. Yeah, I He's still I, young too. I can definitely get behind that. He's got uh, the most potential. You know, like the next couple of guys on my list, you know, they they are surefire hits, but Carson Wentz has the most potential and the most longevity. That's definitely true. Carson Wentz out of all the quarterbacks for the name on this list, he has the most potential as a young quarterback who almost won MVP. Uh, you know, if you're thinking of a guy you want to keep around for 10 years, it's going to be Carson Wentz. However, the big problem that I have with him is his inconsistencies. After Frank Reich left in 2017, I mean, that was that was almost four years ago. Um, granted, that pairing will be back if he does go to Indianapolis, but that was a long time ago. And Carson Wentz, ever since then, has been a very inconsistent quarterback. Uh, he's had a lot of trouble with uh, interceptions and turning the ball over, and that's just not something we saw at the beginning of his career in 2016-2017. So if, I, if I'm the Colts, uh, a, a playoff team right now, a borderline Super Bowl team with the right quarterback... Am I, am I the, if I'm the front office, do I say, hey, let's take a chance on Carson Wentz for the potential that he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the league? Or do you want to take a guy like someone we're going to name like Matthew Stafford, in my eyes, who is the perfect choice for the Colts right now, who's a surefire success. He's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And whether or not he's better than Carson Wentz, we don't know. But he's definitely more consistent. And that's why we take Stafford over once yeah and remember you know the Colts put up the best fight in the playoffs they still have had the best game all postseason long and they almost beat the Buffalo Bills let's not forget that at all credit where credit's due the Colts are legit and you know that seventh seed uh, just uh, got the last laugh in that game but um, how about this what about Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts you know Arthur Smith is the new head coach in Atlanta maybe they want to move a different direction Maybe they want to save some money, move off of Julio, move off of Matt Ryan. They, they would still have Calvin Ridley. 
How about you trade Matt Ryan to Indianapolis, get yourself another first-round pick so you can take a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson plus a skill player? How about that? I really like that, to be honest. Matt Ryan is one of the guys, he's very similar to Matthew Stafford. He puts up numbers. He's always been putting up numbers. Uh, this past year, he put up over 4,500 yards, almost 4,600 actually. 65% completion rate, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, Matt Ryan does nothing but put up numbers, and I, I can't really say a whole lot about the wins, but sometimes that's not all on him, because at the end of the day, football is a team sport. But the pairing with Matt Ryan in Indianapolis would really work. I think uh, Frank Reich's offense and uh, what's the OC's name? Nicky Delmonico? Or? <laughs> Nick Sirianni. Yeah. Nick Sirianni. Close enough, eh? Close enough. Close enough. Uh, Nick, Sirianni, Nick Sirianni's offense reminds me of, of what the Shanahan system does with the running game and everything like that. I think it could work with uh, Matt Ryan, but that one's kind of a reach in my opinion because I just don't see Arthur Smith moving off of Matt Ryan yet because mm. he's still got a lot of game left in him. For sure. But I think probably the most realistic one out of all of these besides... besides uh, Jacob Eason or uh, Jacoby Brissett would be Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I definitely agree. Matthew Stafford, like I just said, is is my number one choice. Like Matt Ryan, he puts up numbers. And the Lions have not been a good football team. Dating back to 2009, this team's been in the playoff, I think, once or twice. I think it's twice. Matthew Stafford's played in two playoff games, lost to both. Um, yet he still puts up numbers. He had Calvin Johnson. That's a huge help. Definitely agree there. Um, you know, he's had good weapons so far in the last few years. Marvin Jones Jr., Kenny Galladay. Uh, he's now got TJ Hawkinson at tight end. So it's definitely something that uh, he, he definitely has weapons. But let's not discount the fact that he puts up numbers all day, every day. And here's another thing about Matthew Stafford. Do you want to take a guess how old Matthew Stafford is? For, for, for those of you listening at home and for my co-host, take a guess. How old is Matthew Stafford? I mean, I should probably know this because he's in talk to be my next quarterback, but uh, let me think here. Been in the he league for a while. Like he's, yeah, I know. So I'm going to say like 34, 35. He's 32 years old. Really? Okay, I did not Matthew know Matthew Stafford is only 32 years old, so lots of potential for him there in Indianapolis. The stats are amazing. We know he can succeed with just a good wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton's there. He's aging. Michael Pittman is only – he can only go up from here. So lots of potential for Matthew, uh, for Matthew Stafford in Indianapolis. So, you know, the final option really for the Colts is uh, how about the NFL draft? You know, uh, you currently hold the 21st pick. Uh, how comfortable would you feel with drafting a quarterback in the first round, uh, taking a guy like a Kyle Trask or a Mac Jones? You know, because that's where they are projected to fall, you know, late first round and on. Would you feel comfortable with drafting a quarterback? Uh, to be completely honest, I wouldn't be. Uh, I, I think, at least with this draft, it's not the most, it's not the deepest quarterback draft. I think there's one guy, uh, Trevor Lawrence, of course, who's a for sure fire success. He's going to be the number one pick. If the Jaguars screw that up, then I don't know what to say. But other than that, Justin Fields uh, is probably going to succeed in the NFL. Uh, Zach Wilson's probably up and down. We don't really know yet, but I, I like where he's headed, so I think he will succeed as well. Outside of those three guys... I am not really sold on either Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. And at least from uh, a standpoint, if I was on the front office of the Colts, uh, when you have someone like Philip Rivers just leave, you saw the limitations that he had, and that's just he was not mobile. 
Um, and if you look at both Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, they're not that mobile either. And especially in the case of Kyle Trask, they're much more suited to be in the pocket and throwing. Granted, they were both extremely efficient quarterbacks. Mac Jones, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country. Kyle Trask was putting up incredible numbers this past year. Uh, but I, I personally would, that's not enough for me to say, okay, you're going to be the next franchise quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I got to agree with you there. Like, if I'm a Colts fan or if I'm, like, in, in the front office, I, I probably wouldn't lean toward taking a quarterback uh, just because, you know, like, you're really in that win-now mode because of the roster you have. I mean, remember, you almost beat the Bills, all right, for the second time, guys, yeah. right? Let me say it again. They almost beat the Bills by, what was it, a field goal? Yeah, 27-24 final. Yeah, so lots of, uh, you know, discussions you know should be going on right now in the front office in, in uh, Indianapolis but how about the New Orleans Saints quickly here um, you know do they draft a quarterback you know obviously they have Taysom Hill they have Jameis Winston but should the New Orleans Saints take a guy like Mac Jones because personally I think a guy like Mac Jones would work tremendously in in New Orleans because Sean Payton is a genius you know he, if he can win games with Taysom Hill Teddy Bridgewater um, I think Mac Jones could really uh, succeed He's got weapons, Alvin Kamara, uh, Michael Thomas, Josh Hill at tight end. It seems like anyone who is plugged into that New Orleans offense really succeeds, and, and Mac Jones uh, could flourish because he would have his NFL level of Nick Saban. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a case for Mac Jones to go to New Orleans. There's not a lot of teams in the league that were, where you can say, okay, you can plug any quarterback in and they're just going to do fine. Uh, New Orleans is one of the few teams that can, can do that. I think in, in the extreme hypothetical scenario that Kansas City somehow needs another quarterback, I think you could really put any quarterback in the Andy Reid system with the weapons that they have in the D5. Getting back to New Orleans, you have Jameis Winston at quarterback. Let's not forget about that. Let's not forget that the guy led the NFL in touchdowns last year. Of course, the other side of that was he also led the NFL in interceptions. He got LASIK eye surgery. It's all fixed. Exactly. And <laughs> we, we can say, oh, you know, he's got eye surgery. He's going to be great. More than that. There's, there's, there's a definitely lot more, more to, to it. To, to improving as a quarterback than getting eye surgery. Does it help? Of course it does. Uh, so I would I would love to see Jameis Winston have a real shot at getting the starting job because I know he can do it. We've seen that in Tampa Bay these last few years, and they haven't had good teams down there in Tampa before Tom Brady got there. Um, so if I'm, if I'm New Orleans and I'm the front office, I want to say, okay, I want to give every guy possible a shot. Uh, I want to give every guy that we have in the locker room, which right now is two guys, I want to give them their shot because they both deserve it. They both have shown that they have the potential to win games. Now, on to drafting a quarterback, you're at the point where you're kind of in cap hell. The, the, the Saints have a big problem with cap. So maybe drafting a rookie quarterback is the move because then you could, you could say, okay, if, if you want to bring in a, you know, a big-time free agent on the defense side of the ball, you let go one of your two quarterbacks, most likely in that scenario would be James Winston, then you have a little bit more cap to deal with if you do want to bring in a defensive guy. So from cap, from cap standpoint, it definitely works. Now, do I think they should draft Mac Jones? Personally not. I say they, they roll with one of the two guys that they have and see how it goes. Yeah, 100%. So lots of options for those two teams going forward, right? Uh, you know, really, it's going to be a changing of, uh, of, of legacies in the NFL, right? Phillip Rivers, gone. Uh, Drew Brees, speculated to be gone. But then Tom Brady is going to the NFC Championship game this weekend, and he is nowhere to be, uh, to, to be lost yet. So he's still there in the Definitely. fire. And, you know, when all three of those guys are gone, right, when Tom Brady steps away, then you know. The NFL is going to be a different game. Ooh, definitely. But here's an interesting fact about Tom Brady really quickly. 
Um, he's been in the NFC for one season. He just made the NFC Championship. from Since 1995, uh, which was the last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl, they've been to zero NFC Championships. So in, in you know 25 years, they've uh, done absolutely nothing. And Tom Brady in one season has already got his team to the NFC Championship. So that, once again, just speaks to how great Tom Brady is. And I, as a Colts fan, I respect the hell out of him. But I just wanted to lose this this coming weekend. Yeah, we're gonna get to that a little bit later. Yeah, but course. first, uh, it's important to talk quickly. Uh, Deshaun Watson, all mm-hmm. right. Lots of trade rumors surrounding Deshaun Watson. Um, he's extremely unhappy in Houston. Uh, extremely upset with Jack Easterby. Um, you know, he didn't get any pull with the GM hire. Nothing against Nick Casario. You know, that's what the rumor is. But he's just frustrated that he didn't have any pull. Uh, he, they didn't land Robert Sala. He's upset about that. Deshaun Watson is extremely unhappy. Matter of fact, the a couple days ago they were actually planning a um, a, a a march in Deshaun Watson's name in the city of Houston. Yeah. He then went on Twitter. was like, "Hey guys, let's not have a march in my name. Uh, COVID's a thing. Let's, let's calm down, guys. City of Houston, please calm down." And the city of Houston has had it rough. They've lost James Harden, DeAndre Hopkins, and a number of their stars. And they might lose another one, but personally. I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think Deshaun Watson should go anywhere. Brandon, how do you feel about this? Okay. Now, I'm going to look at this from an unbiased view because, obviously, I can't have an, a biased view as a Colts fan in the same division, divisional rivals. I have to see Deshaun Watson twice a year, and that's not enjoyable because there's a lot of one-possession games that these two teams have, have, have uh, finished with, So, and that's mostly due to Deshaun Watson and how good he is. Do I think he should go anywhere? Yes, I think he should actually leave Houston. It's not a good if if I'm Deshaun Watson specifically. Why would you want to play for Houston? What what have they done to, to what have they done for him? They got him a left tackle. It was that was really the band aid for them absolutely blowing up the DeAndre Hopkins deal. Didn't even get a first round pick of that. Traded away Deshaun Watson's number one target. The reason why they were so successful in offense, and they just kind of stuck a little band aid. Oh, don't worry, here's a left tackle. Yeah, on defense they have nothing. Their their best player JJ Watt is aging. They they their corners and their secondary is not good. Zach Cunningham's the only bright spot on that defense. So if I'm Deshaun Watson, what what reason do I have to want to stay there? Yeah, well I I see Deshaun Watson's point. I really do. I get his frustration from a player's level. But here I'm gonna take the side of the front office. If I'm the front office, Deshaun Watson, I'm sorry, but you're staying. You are my quarterback. I paid you good money. You signed that contract knowing that your future was here in Houston and you're staying. I will gladly make you suffer and set out and lose all that money. If Deshaun Watson really wants to lose millions of dollars, he can go ahead and do that because that means that you didn't really have to drive to play football to begin with. That's my problem. I think the Texans should absolutely make him stay. He's a franchise quarterback. You don't let go of that. You don't, you don't just give in. This isn't the NBA. The NFL cannot start doing this. All right, we've seen it happen a little bit before. It happened with Jamal Adams. Obviously, he was a safety. It was a little bit different in the hall for Jamal Adams. For a safety, was tremendous. Mm. So even if he didn't demand out, they probably would have taken that deal anyways. But this isn't the NBA. I I don't think players should start having their way and you know demanding a trade and then getting it instantly, especially for a franchise quarterback. That would change. Everything because if that were the case, Matthew Stafford would have left Detroit a long time ago. That's Matt Ryan would have left Atlanta two years ago. It would have been completely different. And I, I, I always tend to take the side of the front office here um, because again, the front office really is the lifeblood of the organization. And most of the time, they have uh, 
a, a better interest for the future than the player does. You know, so I, if I'm the Texans, I'm making him stay, and I will gladly make him suffer because I, I think he's just too good to let go. Unless I get, like, seven first-round picks in a <laughs> which, row. Hey, for which for Watson, it's always a possibility. 100%. Like, unless I'm getting seven first-round picks, that's the only way I'm trading him. And to that point, the other team would then be suffering. Exactly. Right? So speaking yeah. of other teams, uh, big, a big discussion is that teams like the Dolphins or the Jets, my New York Jets should trade for Deshaun Watson. I don't think there's any way he goes to the New York Jets. Remember, Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause. That means that he could you know, approve any trade or mark down any trade because he has a no-trade clause. Tell me, if you're the Jets, why would I go after Deshaun Watson? Think about it, guys. Think about it. I understand he's a franchise quarterback. He is great. He is phenomenal. You know who else is a franchise quarterback? <laughs> Sam Darnold. There you go. But I understand Deshaun Watson's phenomenal, but... You really have the same roster as Houston. You don't have any receivers. You have one left tackle. Amazing. Your defense still needs help. That whole roster needs to be recalibrated. It's not just the quarterback position. You could put Deshaun Watson in New York, and he'll have a phenomenal season, but you're still winning five or six games. There are other problems you have to fix, like your tight end. You have to fix your guard position, and you're going to need a great running back. Uh, Deshaun Watson wouldn't help anything because the Jets have five first-round picks throughout these next two years, I believe, right? They have two this year, and they have two next year, and I believe uh, an additional one the year after that. So to just trade all those for Deshaun Watson, I hate it. The only way the Jets would land Deshaun Watson, like that would at least help them a little bit, is if they keep one of their first-round picks this year. Because you're not only giving up first-round picks, you're giving up a second-round pick, and all that stuff. There's a lot of future assets that you're leaving on the table. 100,000%. And I know it might sound like a lot right now. I don't have the graphics here because it is a podcast. But think about it for a second. Depth wins games. Why do you think the Kansas City Chiefs are still favored over the Bills? Just a little bit. Even though that Chad Henney might play. Because the Chiefs are loaded all around the field. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Offensive line is good. Not only do they have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but they have Lavian Bell, and Darrell Williams played great too. Depth wins all. You know, it, We've seen it happen year after year. These teams are good, but they don't have any backups to play, and they start losing. And that would be the problem with the Jets if they traded for Deshaun Watson. Depth wins all. Rebuild the entire roster first. Don't trade away all your assets. I agree completely. The one thing that I would love to compare New York to is the situation that was that happened in Cleveland uh, last offseason. We saw the Cleveland Browns had needed a lot of help to, to get Baker Mayfield some help. Uh, they decided, hey, let's go sign a, a tackle in free agency. They drafted another one. And now look how much the team has improved. They went from a losing football team to 11-5, and five, and that was just off of getting two tackles. Do they? I mean, Odell Beckham was hurt for the pretty much the entire season, so they had Jarvis Landry and a couple other guys. Austin Hooper. I mean, their offense, skill position wise, isn't incredible. They have it's a lot good. of depth. It's Cleveland good, but has it's depth, depth at tight end. That's, that's exactly what it is. And I think for the Jets, they need to be able to get more assets. They need a running back. They need another tackle. I understand that people are trying to say, why would the Jets draft two tackles two years in a row? Because that's how you protect your quarterback. If Sam Darnold wants to be able to be successful and get out of the pocket and do what he's best at is making plays, you're going to need two tackles to be able to help him out with that. Yeah, and not only that, but like Panay Sewell can also play guard. And let's just say you put him at guard, Makai Becton gets hurt. Guess what? Panay Sewell can step in at left tackle and you'll still have a big boy to protect your man. Exactly. 
And but you know, if Deshaun Watson d- does get traded, because you know, I-, I could end up biting my words. You know, right now it looks like he will get traded. I don't think they should do it, but yeah, you know, I-, I could end up biting my words. That's fine. Uh, the only realistic scenario I think really is the Dolphins, because in that case, the Texans would get a quarterback as well as well as first round picks. Right, you'd probably get two in that package. You'd get uh, two of the Dolphins' first-round picks, and then a couple second-round picks. That's the only one where I feel like it benefits both teams, really. Uh, so that one I really don't mind. But uh, in the AFC East, if you had Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen in that division, Ooh. that would be really rough. The Jets would have a rough time getting through. Yeah, no, it, it, even from a non-biased perspective, uh, perspective, that's a rough division. One hundred percent. I mean, having you can kind of compare it to the NFC West. I mean, look at the the quarterback talent that's over there, uh, the, the, even the team talent as a whole. It's just it's a loaded division over there. And if somehow, some way, Deshaun Watson gets to Miami, that's that's tough to deal with, and that that's going to be a lot of trouble. That's going to come. I mean, we're easily going to see two playoff teams coming out of the AFC East, and if the Jets turn around miraculously in a year, they could be the third. But that's up in the air, of course. Yeah. So that's really our kind of stance on Deshaun Watson. Uh, we've heard a lot of other things around the media about Deshaun Watson. Let him go now. Let him leave now. You know, we I think the opposite. He thinks one way. Just another way to look at it, right? I'll leave it's only him with January. This. We got a lot of time. A lot of time till April. A lot of time till next fall. I mean, yeah. He could be traded in July. Whew, we never know. Let me leave you with this. Deft wins all. In football, deft is king. Yeah. Mark it down. Really quick, let me talk to you about our sponsor, Odyssey Collective, okay? This month, in January, they they are dropping the Multiverse Collection, right? They've got something for everyone. It's inspired by the various art styles of Spider-Man. It's the Spider-Verse. Uh, we see comic book designs, cartoon designs, and even something for you anime folks over there. That's right, on the weird side. Something for everyone. Check out their products now, linked below on their website, Instagram, and TikTok in the show notes. A huge thank you to Odyssey Collective for sponsoring this live broadcast. And don't forget to use our code TAKESONTAP20 for 20% off your purchase at Odyssey Collective. That's right, Odyssey Collective Multiverse Collection is out now. Go ahead, check them out. And alrighty, guys, welcome back to the Takes on Tap show. Before we kick off uh, some more NFL news, uh, let me remind you to go follow us on our social medias. That's right, on Twitter, it's at Takes on Tap show, and on Instagram, at Official Takes on Tap. And we also have a TikTok. We now. do have a TikTok. Brand yeah. new TikTok, Takes on Tap show. T- check it out for some funny sports videos. All that stuff, and don't forget to check out our friends, Belly Up Sports. You know they support our show; they do a lot for us. Social media handles will be linked in the show notes below. We love Belly Up Sports. You know they do so much for us, and in turn we do a lot for them. Scratch my back, we scratch theirs. Love him, my, my buddy Mike over there. Of course, love everyone. Can't forget about the boy FC. FC is pretty good. Yes, uh, but away from that, uh, final stretch of NFL news for now. Um, Brandon Staley. He was, you know, just hired as the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. He's just taken a walk across the street to that facility um, from the Rams to the Chargers. We all thought it would be Brian Dayball. So initial reaction, Brandon Staley, defensive coordinator from the Rams to the Chargers. He's their new head coach. Love it or hate it? I don't know. For all the other sound coaches like that have been hired. You know, sound, yeah. like, sound like a woman. You, you don't know how you feel? I don't know. I honestly don't know. For all the other coaches that, that got hired, I, I was pretty... Uh, I was pretty sold on all of them. I think they all made good hires. For this one, I'm not sure because we haven't, really, we've never seen him be a head coach. He was, he wasn't a head coach at any other level. Um, he was a defensive coordinator in college, um, but that was at John Carroll University. So I, I'm not saying that's that's a bad job at all, but it's not a it's not a power program that that we've 
are accustomed to seeing from college coaches trying to get to the NFL. Yeah, my issue here with this hire is uh, I don't really understand it. I'm not saying it's not going to work, but right now I don't. I kind of hate it. Mm. Uh, He's had one year of experience as an actual defensive coordinator, and, you know, that's really not the problem I I have a problem with. I I just think he's just a little bit too inexperienced, just a little bit much. Now, maybe there was some stuff going on in the interviews that we don't know about, like football smarts, knowledge, all that stuff. That could definitely be the case, but I would have thought you would have taken a guy like Brian Dable and, you know, build a team around it. You know, I didn't absolutely, you know, love Brian Dable and, you know, I didn't think he was a number one prime candidate, you know, as far as a head coach. But I at least know that Brian Dayball, he's been around the league. He was an offensive coordinator in Alabama when they won the national championship in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years developing Josh Allen. Um, I, I guess the Rams, or I'm sorry, the Chargers' uh, priority was defense, which makes sense. Which because makes perfect sense. They yeah. blew a lot of leads uh, late in games. So maybe that's why they went with the higher uh, I think if you're going to make Brandon Staley work in Los Angeles, you got to pair him with a great offensive coordinator for Justin Herbert because you can't forget about him. He had a great rookie year, yes, but sophomore slumps happen. They happen, and now that Justin Herbert has to learn a whole new offense, depending on who they hire, it could really, really matter. So yeah. for me, it depends on who they hire as mm-hmm. OC. I'm not really sure who they're going after yet. Nothing is official, but... For now, I don't love the hire. I think they should have gone with Brian Dayball. I thought it would have worked, but I could be wrong. But I feel like out of all the head coaching hires, this one is the most likely to fail. Yeah, this is easily the most questionable um, from just what we're looking at, prior, prior experience, all that. But the only positive thing to note here is that the Rams did have a really solid defense. They finished first in the NFL in scoring defense. So maybe that we're, once again, maybe we're seeing something that, that – that you know, people maybe we're not seeing something that others did see. Maybe the interviewers over at the Chargers organization they're seeing other things besides from what we see on paper. Because in you know, in actuality, we don't see that much about these coaches except for where they've been and how they did. Maybe there's another factor. I don't know, but at least for right now, this is the most questionable decision that we've seen in the stream of coaching hires so far in the last week. Yeah, for sure, and that leaves just two spots uh, vacant right now uh, for NFL head coaching gigs. Uh, one of them's in Houston. And that one is an absolute limbo. Nobody knows a thing. It's quiet. There's crickets everywhere. I don't think anybody wants that job. But another uh, job that's available that really isn't that popular is Philadelphia. Now, the leading candidate is supposedly Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Um, Now, if they hire Josh McDaniels, I wouldn't be surprised if he bailed on them again. Because I remember, I think it was about, what, four, three, three, four years ago, Josh McDaniels bailed on the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and just left his staff there. And it actually worked out for it him. It did work out He gave you well. Matt Eberflus. I believe Nick Sirianni was mm. his guy as well. So, you know, I guess you're welcome. I'm okay with that. Thanks for a parting gift. Uh, you know, I guess a little consolation prize. Hey, we, you don't get me, but you get my staff. Sure, it worked out. But, uh, yeah, Josh McDaniels possibly getting the Eagles job. Here's the thing about Belichick disciples. They don't work. They just don't work, right? Where's Matt Patricia? He's fired. Mike Vrabel's working. Brian Flores is working. Okay, that's definitely true. But for those two guys, it was pretty clear, even when they were coordinators, that they were a little bit, you know, they had their own ideas and they they were a little bit, they were, they're much more, less attuned to the system. You know what I mean? Josh McDaniels seems exactly like a Belichick clone. I don't see Flores and Vrabel as Belichick clones. I never did. 
Um, but for Josh McDaniels, he's literally just an extension of Belichick. If, if Belichick's on one side of the bench, he can't get to the other side. That's where McDaniels is. Can't forget about Joe Judge. He seems to be doing all right in New York. They had a better season than we expected. But I think one thing with Josh McDaniels is that, you know, it wouldn't be his first gig as a head coach. Um, you know, he was very young in Denver, but he did call all the shots. And the rumor is, is that if he goes to Philadelphia, Howie Roseman would kind of back off a bit and let McDaniels have his own play. Hmm. Uh, another thing, Deuce Staley, what, who was Doug Peterson's assistant head coach, he would um, provide a lot of staff for Josh McDaniels. So one thing to consider. And aside from Josh McDaniels, they also interviewed uh, offensive coordinator of the Colts, Nick Sirianni. I got it right this time. Nick Sirianni. What could Nick Sirianni uh, bring to the Eagles? Because he's a candidate that nobody, no one really talked about. You know, it, there was a lot of talk about Matt Eberflus, the Colts' defensive coordinator, was going to get a lot of head coaching uh, interviews. He did get a couple that uh, didn't go his way. Um, but to see Nick Sirianni's name there is honestly kind of surprising. Uh, the The Colts team, they were a borderline top 10 in, in every offense category. I believe they finished around 9th or 10th in, in total offense and in, in team offense. Um, so they had a good year. That's That's definitely true. Um, but it's one of those questions, like, yes, he was calling the plays, but it was a very Frank Reich-esque system. So how much is that Frank Reich's uh, system going to work in Philadelphia? Of course it is, because we've already seen it work in Philadelphia. So is, does Nick Sirianni know enough about that system to take it back over to Philadelphia? That's my question. Yeah, um, and last really under-the-radar hire that I think should get more love uh, in Philly Todd Bowles, he got the interview a couple days ago uh, in Philadelphia after the win over the Saints, of course, the defensive coordinator in Tampa Bay. Todd Bowles, I talked about it a couple weeks ago on the show. He was interviewed for the Falcons job. Obviously, he didn't get it, but Todd Bowles wouldn't be a terrible hire. A huge problem in Philadelphia is the defense, right? Todd Bowles can really lead a defense. Um, Issue here is that I feel like Philadelphia needs to build an entire team. They have a quarterback in place, whether it's Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz, that's really, it it falls on the coach, but you have a quarterback in place, don't have to worry about that, you got to build an offensive line again, Um, Miles Sanders Sanders can stay, uh, but you know, you have to draft receivers, all that stuff, I don't know if Todd Bowles can handle it, but I know Todd Bowles is an excellent coach, so I wouldn't hate that hire, but right now, my favorite is Josh McDaniels, I, I think the more and more I think about it, the more and more I see it working, especially in the NFC East. You can win six games and still make the playoffs, so Apparently it would so, work. Yeah. It would definitely work. Yeah, hey, what about one more guy that, uh, of course, is more of a joke than anything, but uh, Adam Gase. Adam Gase, how about it? Let me tell you about Adam Gase as a Jets fan. Um, he's a great coach, offensive guru. Uh, your offense will really move down the field. He has a lot of plays that defenses wouldn't see coming you know first and 10 screens or you know running the football on fourth and inches and then you know giving it up and doing a turnover so you can you know really just give the team an advantage you know because sportsmanship is key of course so he's he's one of the best at that adam gase future philadelphia (laughs) for sure for sure (laughs) uh but also in our last bit here of the first half of the show. Um, Colin Cowherd kind of made the news a little bit. Did Um, he ever? Yeah, he said this about the upcoming AFC Championship game. Play it. Well, we've got a great player. He's not available potentially Sunday. All right, let's play it Monday. You won't watch? We have football games all year on Monday. You won't watch. Politics, entertainment, sports. It's 2021. You do whatever you got to do 
Move whatever you have to move to make it right. Make stuff work. NFL, I figure out a way to get Mahomes in that game. I don't feel bad about it for a second. In fact, if I was Buffalo, what a hollow victory getting to the Super Bowl, not facing Patrick Mahomes. So, essentially, right, the AFC Championship game should maybe consider being moved for Patrick Mahomes. You know, obviously he got hurt uh, in last in, in last week's game against Cleveland. We'll talk about that later, but... Should the NFL consider moving the game to later at night to give Mahomes a little bit more time? Hell no. If There's only a couple of instances where you can postpone a game, and, and I'll add another one because of what's been happening this year. COVID-19, you can postpone a game if there are enough cases you know, for it to be deemed a, a big problem. With the Ravens-Steelers game, we saw that postponed by a week because of it was I think it was around 18 total players. It was a mess, so postpone the game, that's cool. Uh, if there's a significant weather delay, postpone the game. You can't play if there's really bad weather, thunderstorm, blizzard, whatever it may be. If they're on short notice, they didn't really know leading up to the game, and it happens, cool, you can postpone the game. The third is if there's any field problems, if the, if the turf's all screwed up. Uh, the, we've seen stadium problems. We saw it in Minnesota about 10 years ago when their roof collapsed. Happened because uh, of the snow. In, in Mexico City, too. They yes, that the, game out the, turf was, um, the turf wasn't in good enough quality. They moved to L.A., which we then retreated to one of the best games in recent memory. Um, so those are the only instances where you postpone a game. But it's, here's the problem, Brandon. I, I wouldn't call it postponing. It's just kind of flexing, right? Because I, I wouldn't, like, he didn't really say move it to Monday night, essentially. You don't, that's not, you don't have to do that, but to 8 o'clock, why not? But if, if, I'm, if I'm the Buffalo Bills and I'm, this is what I'm hearing, I'm hearing they're thinking about flexing the game a couple hours later, so maybe... Patrick Mahomes, the MVP Super Bowl champion, can come back and play against him. I would hate that if I was a Buffalo Bill. If I knew that the NFL was actively trying to get one of the best players in the NFL, if not the best player in the NFL, back on the field unfairly, I would hate that. And if it, that's why I do believe that it, it, it can't happen. Because it's an unfair advantage for one team to disadvantage for another. Yes, and I, I completely see that point. But Patrick Mahomes is the golden boy. Uh, right now, I'm not against it, but I'm not for it either. If if the NFL did did it, we would all know why. But I wouldn't complain about it whatsoever. It, I mean, who doesn't want to see Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen? The NFL is an entertainment valued thing. That's how they make their money. Why do you think they put the NFL on Nickelodeon to sell, 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 sell? But this is the AFC Championship, dude. This isn't like this is this is the AFC Championship. For, yes, for the teams in the locker room, it's the it's the AFC Championship championship but for roger goodell and the nfl execs the AFC um, championship. this is this is a money-making opportunity it's the afc championship which is a money-making opportunity okay I understand would you that. rather watch an afc an afc championship with chad henney or patrick mahomes if it's I, don't fair, answer it it's, if, it's a rhetorical if question it's fair i don't care i don't care if chad henney it has to be the starting quarterback next week for the chiefs that's what has to happen patrick Mahomes can't play but, but just 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 hear me out all right for once just once Take a walk on the wild side, you know? Why not? Why not? I don't. I can't, dude. I, I, I honestly, if if the NFL does that... Buffalo I, can drink another year. Let them suffer. They're used to it. They have one of the best teams that they've had since they went to four straight Super Bowls. Yeah, this and, is and honestly, that's good enough. It can't be good enough. Hey, buddy. They you, went 13-3. and three. Hey, buddy. Let me shake your hand. You got this far. You have nothing to be ashamed about. No. But at this point, no. it's not in your hands. It's the, in the hands of the mob. They just beat my team, and I'm still rooting for them. That says a lot, okay? If they, if, if they flex this game, even by 30 minutes, that's unfair. 
Look, you keep the game where just, it is, and that's just all. something to think about. Because maybe it's not for Patrick Mahomes, but maybe um, the NFL's you know tech guys or whatever said, "Hey, Roger, Raji, let me tell you, man, if you move this game to eight o'clock, you'll average about two more million viewers because uh, if you do it at so and so time, uh, Martha's cooking dinner. So maybe move it back to eight thirty. All right, we're going to move on here. <laughs> we're going to move on here, and we're going to talk some baseball. And I love baseball. I love yeah, talking do. baseball. Uh, it's my favorite sport for sure. I love the NFL. I know a lot about the NFL, but baseball is just something different for me. So um, I'm, I'm pumped to talk about this. So free agency news for Major League Baseball. Uh, a couple nights ago, George Springer signed a six-year mega deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. And to be honest, I, I like it. I, I like it for George Springer. He's a great player. Um, obviously, any player for the Houston Astros was going to come up in that scandal that happened a couple years ago as well. But nonetheless, he played great in that 60-game sprint they had in 2020. He's always been a great player. And honestly, for Houston to lose George Springer, it's going to feel really weird to not see him there uh, in Houston every night. But for Toronto, yes, it's a great signing. You're getting a great player. But it doesn't fix a big problem I see that, that, that I saw last year, and that was their on-the-field IQ. It, it, Toronto made very poor on-the-field errors and decisions throughout the whole year. And yes, they are a very young team. They've got young, young players. And it seems like Toronto has the son of every MLB star. The Bo Bichette, um, Craig Biggio's son, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Mm. Um, they just traded... Uh, Jeff Conan's son of the Marlins this past trade deadline, too. So they had him as well. But uh, nonetheless, Toronto, yes, they get better. They have money to spend, and I get it. But Toronto might not even be playing. They might not even be playing their games in Toronto next year. right? They might be playing in Buffalo again. Mm -hmm. So are you really going to make money back? Who knows? Um, You get a great bat. You get a great slugger. um, But it doesn't fix what I saw. And, you know, on-the-field errors and – all those base running errors and throwing errors, that could be coaching. Uh, and it, it could be fixed. It, it probably will be fixed. But so far, that would be my main priority. And then also, uh, the Yankees signed Corey Kluber. That's right. They have another Cy Young pitcher on their staff. Why not? So Garrett Cole, Mashiro Tanaka, uh, and now Corey Kluber. That's an amazing pitching staff for the Yankees. The Yankees are the Yankees. What else do I have to say? But the big question here, right, for free agency, we got two star free agents left. Okay, two star free agents. Trevor Bauer and JT Romuto. Okay. Star pitcher, a star catcher. Uh, Trevor Bauer, he's been making headlines all offseason uh, for free agency. He is really a master at using Twitter and social media to his advantage. <laughs> Trevor Bauer is basically the Sheldon Cooper of baseball. Pretty much. I, I made, That's a pretty good comparison right there. Guy's a rocket scientist. Yeah. He's a genius. And, you know... It has to be a careful Cinderella fit for where Trevor Bauer goes because you know sometimes he can really feel isolated because he doesn't relate to a lot of people, right? Yeah. Whether that's politically or like mentally or just the way he Whatever thinks in general because he really thinks scientifically mm. when it comes to playing baseball and everything, yeah. different than what other guys think. So this, you know, the shoe has to fit perfectly. But I, I have three teams that would really. Uh, be a great fit for Trevor Bauer. And, you know, the first one's going to be my long shot, and that's going to be the Chicago White Sox. Now, why would the White Sox want to, you know, get on their knees and beg for Trevor Bauer? Let me tell you, 
if you sign Trevor Bauer, you are winning the AL Central in January. On paper, they would win the Central. Cleveland just gave up Lindor. They 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 lost Corey Kluber uh, a couple years ago, right, when they traded him. And they still have Shane Bieber. But Cleveland won't be as good without Francisco Lindor. Yep. They have issues to fix. They They don't even have a name. All right, their name isn't even their name anymore. We're not even. We're, they haven't even gotten that much yet. So, a lot of things open right now. Exactly. Minnesota is a great team, but they were a little inconsistent last year. Uh, that could be fixed, right? You know, next year will be different because you'll have a traditional 162 game set. But Minnesota, that's the only competition right now for 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 the White Sox because Detroit is still building a team. They just hired AJ Hinch to build it up for him, and now with Tony La Russa, Back at the helm as the manager, uh, maybe he, maybe they wouldn't get along as well as you think they would. But Trevor Bauer, nonetheless, is a great talent and money talks. So if you pay him enough money, he might shut the hell up about Tony Larusa. But very that's my long shot because I I just don't envision a scenario where Tony Larusa and Trevor Bauer fall in love with each other because Tony Larusa is a very old school guy and Trevor Bauer is this new school stat kind of guy. And as Tony Larusa once said, you know, all this stat stuff is some superficial BS. <laughs> it's really just an ideological split. So I definitely agree with you there. If you're thinking about baseball, the, the majority of, of, of GMs and, and, and owners are really thinking about baseball and, and how it used to be. It's very field game. If you you know if you look and you, you're a power hitter, it's going to work. Trevor Bauer's just not that way. He looks at advanced stats. That's that's how he works. Yeah. So I agree with you 100% there. It just doesn't look like it's fit. But, Scott, you got two more teams. What do two you more got? teams. So second team, uh, and, and this one could happen, right? Uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Why not? Mm. They've got money to spend. Spend it. Go ahead. Add another star. If you put Trevor Bauer on the team, I think you fix a lot of problems. Pitching and, 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 and bullpen help wins ball games, And to me, that would overshadow your IQ and errors on the field. You know, I remember a game in particular last year. The Blue Jays t- uh, took on the Marlins. And I believe the Blue Jays gave up an in, in 11-run lead. That, that game was, uh, you know, out, out, outrageous. Right, uh, pitching staff didn't pitch well at all. Bullpen was horrible. Now, 2020 as a whole is an at risk because you know pitchers didn't really have time to settle in themselves. Bullpens were different, but nonetheless, Toronto's got to fix issues on the uh, throwing side of the ball. And signing Trevor Bauer would be a great thing to do. And again, why not? You got money to burn, might as well do it. Um, so that way, they could really compete with the Yankees. Because the Yankees right now are a clear favorite, and they're a clear favorite every year. They've got so many stars. And then with Toronto on the come up, they, they could be a sleeping giant. But the best fit for Trevor Bauer, the Angels. The mm, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Get Mike Trout some help. Get that man some help. All right, he's the best player in all of baseball, and he will be for the next five years as well. Uh, getting Trevor Bauer on the mound there would help him out tremendously. They just signed Jose Quintana as well, so now you'd have two great pitchers in Anaheim right there. And Joe Madden is a real players guy. The players love him. He loves his players. That right there is my perfect Cinderella fit for Trevor Bauer. And now finally, JT Ramuto. Where does he fit? And immediately, I think, why not the White Sox as well? <laughs> Um, that one that one is more realistic to me than the Trevor Bauer one, uh, to be honest with you, because they just lost James McCann to the Mets mm-hmm. in free agency. They need a catcher. Why not go get the best one available? Perfect. JT Ramuto. He's a real baseball, baseball guy. And with an old school guy like Tony Russa, especially at a position of importance like catcher, 
that's what you love to see. Not only can he hit, but he can run the bases too. And if you got a catcher who's fast, he's really the whole package. Second team on the list. Why can't he just re-sign with the Philadelphia Phillies? It's, it's, it has to be a consideration at least. Exactly. You know, the Phillies traded up so much to get him Sixto Sanchez, uh, two other pitchers, and, and Jorge Alfaro. Why not re-sign him? You know, if you knew that he's, his contract was up in a year and a half, why would you give up that much to get him in the first place? You know, so that's definitely a consideration right there. Uh, their new GM, uh, Dave Dombrowski, is a genius. Uh, he just got the closer to help him out in the yeah. pen, like he always does. Exactly. You know, Dombrowski, his signature move as soon as he steps in the office chair of a team where he goes, he always gets a star closer. He's got one. Might as well resign JT Ramuto while you got him. Uh, and lastly, JT Ramuto, why not come back to Miami? Why not? Why not? That's where you came from, all right? The fans loved you here, at least the ones who came, and the organization loved you. We didn't want to see you go, but he kind of forced his way out in a bit and didn't want to be a part of a rebuild, and guess what? Things are changing, though. Guess what? Playoff team. The Marlins got to the playoffs before the Philadelphia Phillies did. Yes, they did. So who lost on that one, all right? I'll let bygones be bygones, (laughs) but come back to Miami. We'll pay you handsomely. Kim, Kim Neg. Is mm. it, it seems to be working out great so far. Should yeah. we sign Garrett Cooper? I love Garrett Cooper. We love Garrett Cooper on the show. We love Garrett Cooper on the show. <laughs> Go ahead, come back to Miami and help us uh, help us win a title. How about that? I think that would be pretty great. But who knows? It's going to work. We get, once again, baseball free agency is always nuts. So we're going to see what's going to happen. It's nuts and it's slow. Yeah, that's that's the, honestly the worst part. At least in the you know if you talk about other sports, the NBA, it's for like two weeks. It's just the stupidest thing in the world how crazy it is the nfl is pretty standard actually but baseball is very weird because it just takes forever and you're sitting here and you're waiting speculating and you just go nuts in your head yeah 100 percent. and you know i can't wait for spring training spring training's right around the corner we're, we're gonna give you coverage of that 100 all that stuff oh, we'll yeah. be we'll be driving to games in west palm beach mm, and jupiter clearwater it's gonna be great. we're gonna be there for you guys you know we'll mark it on our instagrams youtube all that good stuff because baseball season is, is just a great time of the year and it's always so much fun, especially on this show. We're going to make it fun. We're going to give you some, some front office analysis and all that stuff. But uh, for right now, those are the two free agents that are really left and where they fit. Alrighty, so moving on from that, there's enough actual MLB talk. You got a lot of it there. Yeah, and I love it. Like <laughs> I said, you do, yeah. it's coming soon. 100%. April is coming, not only for draft time, but for baseball time, too. <laughs> lots, so, lots going on in April. <laughs> on to my favorite segment of the week, Instagram questions. Go ahead, follow us over there. It's at Official Takes on Tap on Instagram. Ask us questions, anything you want, and uh, more than likely, it'll be on the show. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we try to get to as many as we can, and there are some weeks where we get about six or seven questions. We can't get to all of them. But nine times out of ten, we're going to get through everyone. So, of course, thank you guys for asking these questions. It's our favorite segment of the week, so we're going to continue that. Yeah, so we have three Instagram questions this week. We had to cut it down just a little bit short, but there's Mm -hmm. three good quality questions. So my first question comes from Jerry, and he is asking us, um, what are your thoughts on the National League getting rid of the DH in 2021? Of course, obviously in 2020, uh, both the American League in baseball and the National League both had the designated hitter. But for 2021, uh, the National League is going back to getting rid of it. So what are your thoughts on that? And personally, I love it. I've always loved how the uh, National League and the American League uh, have a designated hitter and then one and then the other doesn't. 
it makes the league feel different, mm. right? Uh, there's different strategies to both leagues. Um, and that's why watching an American League baseball game is so much different than watching a National League baseball game. And I love that aspect because really, strategically, it's much different, right? Because in the National League, you got to think to yourself, can I take my pitcher out of the ball game? Is it worth putting in a bullpen guy so I can get a pinch hitter off the bench? Versus in the American League, you don't have to worry about it. He stays out there all game long, or, 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 or maybe you do a double switch just for death purposes in the, in the American League. It makes the whole game feel different. Not only that, if you have a pitcher who can hit, that's a weapon right there. Oh, 100%. I would have to agree with you here. I, I think there's, there's an element of... Uh, there's kind of a rut in baseball that it's it's pretty cut and dry. This is how baseball works, and it, that's how it's always going to work. And you can really say that in other sports that's not the case. I think there's a lot more variety in how you can play the game. We can talk about football all day and in basketball all day, how you can play these sports. For baseball, of course, there's a lot of different strategies you, you, you can employ on the field. But in, in the grand scheme of things, I love these little aspects that make these different leagues different because that's what that's what makes baseball interesting, at least in my eyes. Yeah, I 100% agree there. So I, I actually do love that the uh, that the DH is out of the NL for 2021 and hopefully stays that way for forever. <laughs> Our next question is another baseball question. This time it's coming from uh, Stewie. Stewie is asking us, his question is, uh, does the MLB extra inning rule have to tweak? Right, so obviously last year in 2020, the rule for extra innings was that uh, when when the game would go to extra innings, right, the tenth inning, start of the tenth inning, the uh, you know the hitting team would start with the runner at second base, mm. and that changed things dramatically, dramatically. It, it either helped your team or it really hurt your team. As a Marlins fan, I watched every game, and there was a lot of times where it really hurt hurt us because you know you start with the runner at second base, a fly ball here, a fly ball there, and Two straight fly balls, you can win the game just on tagging up. Exactly. It changes things dramatically. Personally, I don't like it. What do you think? See, I, I'm honestly for the for the, the idea that they just get rid of that completely. You don't even put a guy in first. If you want to do that, cool. But, like, I don't agree with it at all. I think there should be an element of fairness for both teams. If you put a guy at second, it's obviously unfair. Like, you just described two fly balls going to get a run scored. So... Maybe you can make a claim for putting that first because then that kind of gets into play. Like, okay, it's not that much of an advantage, but still, I would lean towards the aspect of just not having a guy on base at all to start extra innings. Exactly. So, um, there's a lot of fans who like it. There's a lot of fans who don't. So, I say we come to a compromise. I think the perfect solution is that in the regular season, you put a guy on first base. That way, it's not just two fly balls, you win the game. You actually have to place a guy and move him over first. and It brings more of a strategic element. And not only that, uh, you have to be careful because if you put a guy on first, you can set yourself up for a quick double play as well. Yeah, exactly. Can't forget about that, and I actually like that. And I think for the postseason, you eliminate it completely, and you play a game of of traditional baseball. I think that way you have the perfect compromise, and not only do you have the uh, the the element of surprise by maybe a double play right there by putting a guy at first, it, it does make things a lot cleaner. So yeah. I, I do like that. I definitely agree there. That's uh, that little shakeup there. I definitely agree about that. Our last question comes from Cole, and he's asking us, uh, what is something that we personally hated but other people liked? You want to start off? Yeah, I'll start off. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to go with uh, episode zero of this podcast. Basically, yeah. that was way back in October. Brandon and I had just met, and we'd known each other for maybe a couple hours. Uh, you know, really. And we decided, hey, man. Let's come together. 
we like each other right now. It might not stay that way. Let's do a podcast. It has. It has stayed that it way. It has though. stayed. Thankfully, we're we're doing pretty well right now. So doing pretty well. Good. We got new microphones now. Uh, but we came together and we started a podcast. And episode zero was basically uh, our way of the audience getting to know us, how we feel personally about sports, who we root for, because you can't really cover that in every single episode. So we wanted to just do a slight little intro. I think it was about eight minutes long. Mm. But personally, I didn't like it, but a lot of people who I know did. And that might just be a bias, but I personally hated it. I, uh, that's easily the best example that we have on the show about, uh, I didn't like it either. Um, it's still up on our YouTube channel. At one point, I mean, for a period of time, I think it was the first two months of our channel, that was the most viewed video on our on our channel. Um, and that, that hurt me. And 100%. I'm, I'm sure it hurt you hurt too. Hurt me too. Uh, but just, you know, jumping back a little bit, a lot of the things that we did in the earlier days of our show, I can't even listen to anymore. And like, it's still our, very early. It's still very early. I couldn't early. even of listen course. to last week's episode. Of course. Um but it was one thing that I know specifically um, was, I believe it was episode five, and we filmed it at my place instead of yours, because as if you guys don't know, we're always filming in Scott's kitchen. We're known as the Kitchen Table Podcast, but this is, Scott's, uh, this is all Scott's setup here. But we did one episode at my place for, I forgot exactly the reason why, um, but we did it at my place, and that was easily my least favorite episode. I had to edit that. The, the, everything was terrible. And I remember after I did that, I put up the YouTube clips and my dad saw them for the first time that he'd ever looked at our podcast and he said it was really good. I'm like, dad, this is probably the worst thing that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think that your takes were good. Do you remember what takes we had in that episode? That I, was like our, that was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get clickbait and we're going to get clicks on Reddit. Yeah. I, I believe that week we, um, we had, we had said that the, that the New Orleans Saints were not for real. Yeah. And we said the and same then, thing about the Titans. And then that following Sunday, the Saints held the Buccaneers to three points. Yeah, not good. So um, definitely that was one of the worst episodes, but I, um, let me just flip the question around. Something that like I liked a lot but didn't get much attention was our Thanksgiving episode. You know what? I agree with that a lot. That was I a really a good episode. That episode laid down the foundation for my for my past month and a half, okay? Yeah. For personal reasons, I had people who listened to that episode and really liked everything about me. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, and... It's one thing that I that I remember about that episode. If we just had fun, that was one. Really, the, that was like the most fun that we ever had. We had Nick here, except for now. We, except for now, now is pretty great. I gotta be honest. Um, I, I, it's it's great. Another thing that I really enjoyed was our NBA draft day. That was Not, fun. It was fun. Like we we filmed an episode that day, and then for we we like chilled for an hour, and then we filmed the draft special that got up. It, it was nuts. It was a crazy day. We we, but, we we basically started at noon and we ended at midnight. Yeah, that was a ton was of fun. Over. We didn't get a ton. You know, we didn't get a lot of, of recognition for that. It's not highly regarded in terms of how we look at our channel or and how we look at the show. Um, but it was a ton of fun. However, one thing that we, we'll flip the question one more time. One thing that everyone loved and we loved as well. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Jacksonville yes. was so much fun. That was uh, oh. that's a forever memory, 100%. and especially the post Jacksonville episode. I think we spent like half an hour talking yeah, about it was our like whole half experience. Thirty five minutes. Um, and and I guess one of the more annoying parts about that was that um, people would continuously ask me, "Hey, how was Jacksonville? Hey, how was Jacksonville?" And I'd be like, "Hey, bud, listen to the podcast." 
Yeah, just listen to the podcast. We it, talked about it for there. 35 minutes. Everything. Everything's there. Everything's okay? there. My mouth is tired. <laughs> Stop. Also, one more thing that, um, just to touch this on this again, because we haven't talked about it on the show yet, one thing that I know everyone loved and we loved as well, this past weekend we got to do a live broadcast on ColorCast, and that was so much fun. Scott, I mean, that was so much fun, honestly. It was yeah. one of the best times we've had. Big shout-out to everyone who was there in the chat. Um, FC was pretty live in the chat. Fleshy, Gibby. They were really helping us out a lot, yes. uh, a lot more than they had to, and they took the time out of the day to go and help us For out, three and hours get us some views. Listening to us talk about football, and we can't thank everyone enough who was there, and uh, you know all the people at, at ColorCast and Belly Up who were allowing us to basically be the, be the guinea pigs in this thing, and we ended up breaking the ColorCast record for engagement, and it yep. was it was so we much. We broke fun. ColorCast records. That's yeah, right. Say that right here. The Tape Time right. Show has ColorCast records. Yeah, we are ColorCast champions yes, for last we are. week. And I believe we'll be back uh, next yeah, this Sunday. Coming, this coming Sunday, yeah. we're going to be uh, doing another game. I'm not sure exactly which one yet, but uh, it's going to be one of them, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, it, it, it was so much fun. And, uh, you know, we don't know what game we're doing yet, but we will be there. So, great question from Cole. It was a long answer, but I hope you enjoyed all of it. Yeah. Because, Cole, you're a great guy. Hope you listen to our show. I listen to the Colecast. It's oh, great. there you go. Love the Colecast. Got to check out the Colecast. Yeah, check out the Colecast. It'll be in the show, show notes. Um, but moving on, um, championship weekend is here. It's coming, but there's a little bit of drama. Uh, let's start in the NFC. All right. Packers, Buccaneers. This matchup happened in week six. We know all about it. We know all about it. It was an absolute eyesore. Tampa Bay obliterated the Packers. I believe their only loss after that was against Indianapolis for the Green Bay Packers. That's true. So Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, round two. 2021 what are your takes i a lot of people are going to say the bucks are going to win this game because of what happened in week six week six was a long time ago that was 14 13 14 weeks ago that's a long time that's a few months so if i am trying to pick a winner here i gotta go green bay they are in my opinion the best team in football right now um aaron Rodgers, the mvp and he's been playing like that throughout the postseason yes he has only had one game but in that game, he played extremely well against the Rams, who has the number one scoring defense in the league. So Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, uh, easily the best offensive team that we've seen so far this postseason in terms of consistency. Um, and if you know, if, if I'm trying to pick a winner, I have to go with Green Bay. Uh, yeah, so I, I like the point you bring up there, you know, consistency. And, you know, when you look at it with your eyes, Green Bay easily looks like the best football team in the league right now. I'll say it, just as good as Kansas City. They mm-hmm. moved the ball, um, maybe not as efficiently, but they look really good. Um, and I like Tampa Bay. I really like what they've done. They've quietly been a top-five team. Yeah, they have, they and have. that's why they're here right now. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Tampa Bay took it. I think this one's going to be more of a fight, that's for sure. But one thing to consider, if Tampa Bay wins uh, this game against Green Bay, they will be the first team to ever play in a Super Bowl at their own home, uh, at their own, uh, home stadium. Yeah. You know, and that would be really, like, a huge accomplishment, but also, like, kind of a, a bummer because... Imagine the first team to play a Super Bowl in front of their home crowd has to play it in, in, in a 25% capacity crowd yeah. with masks everywhere. And just because of that, um, I, I think that the uh, the curse will live on, right? Probably one more year. Probably one more year. Uh, it almost happened with, uh, with the Vikings. Yeah, a few years ago. They got but obliterated in the NFC Championship, though, it, so that didn't happen. Exactly, and I, I think Aaron Rodgers is hungry. 
I think he's hungry right now. He wants to be liked by everyone, and he's going to prove it by winning another Super Bowl. So I got Green Bay in this one. I'm going to take Green Bay by 10 points. Really? Green Bay by 10? I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Uh, I think the Tampa Bay defense is really good. Um, they have one of the... We talked about a lot of defenses in the past few weeks. We talked about Washington a couple weeks ago in the wild card round. They have one of the best defenses in the league. We're talking about the Rams now. Don't sleep on the Buccaneers, especially their run defense. But the big uh, turning point for me is not actually on Green Bay's offense, but with Green Bay's defense, specifically in the pass defense. They have been so good. I believe it's a, they allow less than 130 yards passing per game, and that's in large part due to Jair Alexander, who is – as we know, Phenomenal. an incredible player on the outside. So, in my opinion, that's the turning point because Brady's going to have to have a down game, and I think if it's going to be any game, it's going to be this one. Yeah, it's a great point there, but nonetheless, it's going to be fun. Hopefully it's fun. I mean, at the end of the day, all you want to see is fun, close playoff football. We haven't seen a ton of that uh, throughout these uh, these couple postseason mm-hmm. games. But the, the last game on the slate... Um, who knows? Maybe it gets moved. <laughs> um, the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. This one's in Kansas City. Um, Patrick Mahomes is in concussion protocol. It's still not, you know, known if he'll play on Sunday. It might be Chad Henney at quarterback. But uh, Bills, Chiefs. What do you think so far, Brandon? It all depends, in my eyes, if Patrick Mahomes can play. Uh, as much as I, I, I think Kansas City can win without him, we've said this on the show before, Kansas City has one of the deepest teams in the league. You can pretty much plug any quarterback into their system and in, onto their team, and they're going to succeed. But can Chad Henney do it? That's the question. As much as I love Chad Henney, as, much, as well as he performed last week, he played phenomenal in the second half, as well as you could do for a backup quarterback that did not expect to go in in the biggest game of his life. Yeah, except for that little you know, piss-poor throw at the end. You know, bad interception. Basically a punt. That, so that scares me. That's okay. It's, he made up for it, though. With the, with the run they had on 3rd and 14, then he got the quick, uh, the, quick, the quick out to Tyree Kill to ice the game. Now, if I'm trying to pick a winner here, i got to go Buffalo. Uh, did they look great against Baltimore? No, but once again, Baltimore is one of the best defenses in the NFL. Uh, they did also hold Baltimore to three points. Uh, Baltimore, one of the hottest teams in the NFL for the past six, seven weeks. So a great accomplishment there if I'm Buffalo. Going to the AFC Championship game, knowing that you're going to have to stop this offense of Kansas City, it's a tall task, but I think they got it. I'm going to take Bills by six. Oh, you're going to take the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm actually going to say I'm, I'm surprised with that pick because even though that – the Chiefs might be without Patrick Mahomes. I still think that with Chad Henney, they can beat the Bills. And I'll tell you why. Experience. It, it all comes down to experience. This is the third year in a row that Kansas City has been in the in the uh, championship game, right? First year, Patrick Mahomes, they, they barely lose, and that was because of a uh, offsides right, to the Patriots. Last year, they won. They won the Super Bowl. They won yeah. the Super Bowl that year. And, and this year, I, I think, you know, the experience comes. I, I think Josh Allen gets scared. I think he fumbles a couple times. And I think Buffalo, you had a great year. You had nothing to be ashamed about. Shake my hand, move on, back in the line, start again next year. Um, Kansas City's roster is so deep. And I talked about it at the beginning of the show. Deft always wins, okay? Even with Chad Henney at quarterback, the talent they have is enough to win. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Lavian Bell. Daryl Williams, Tyreek Hill, 
uh, Sammy Watkins. Cole Hardman, Byron Pringle, Travis Kelsey. This team's loaded on offense. So many guys. So many guys. And on defense, Tyron Matthews been playing out of his mind as well. He mm-hmm. made so many plays last week against the Browns. So even with Chad Henney at quarterback, I think they'll win the game because you put Gardner Minshew in the Chiefs, they're winning games. Put Sam Darnold on the Chiefs, they're doing phenomenally. Put Lamar Jackson on the, tre- uh, on the Chiefs, they're it's going to work. It's going to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's going to work. I, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I don't think it's a, a blowout, but I think they, they, they find a way to get it done, whether it's you know in, a, in an ugly way or in an efficient way. I think the Chiefs move on. Okay, here, now here's my thing. Three weeks ago, I picked a Super Bowl, and that was the Bills and the Packers, and I'm one game away each from, from having that come true. Maybe that's my bias setting in because I just want my picks to do well. I, I never really do this well in my picks. Um, however, if Patrick Mahomes comes back, I would have a hard time sticking with my Buffalo minus six pick. However, as of right now, Chad Henney is going to be playing a quarterback for Buffalo. Therefore, I have to. I, I, I feel a lot more confident taking Buffalo um, there. However, Patrick Mahomes comes back. I'm going to just have a another pick. I'm going to take Chiefs minus three. That's actually what the spread is now, Chiefs minus three. However, Buffalo is favored 53.5% um, over the Chiefs. So it's it, this is the game that's so hard to choose. I think the NFC Championship is... On the surface, looks like a hard game to choose, but Green Bay is by far the better team. So I, I, I wouldn't have a problem uh, if the public you know, was going 75% Packers or 60% Packers. That makes sense to me. This game is ex- incredibly hard to choose. Yeah, well, uh, another thing to, to really consider here, uh, one, one last thing really, is you know maybe let's have a, a little talk here. What if the Buffalo Bills ordered a headhunt on Patrick Mahomes last week? Conspiracy? Do we have conspiracy theory? Conspiracy? <laughs> Away from that, though, um, let's uh, tune over to our producer, uh, our quote-unquote producer, uh, John Egan. His picks this week. He's taken the Packers and he's taken the Chiefs. Uh, so far, I believe he he's only been wrong like two times. Twice. He missed the uh, the Rams, the Steelers game. He picked the uh, the Steelers over the Browns in the wild card, and then he picked the Rams over the Packers in the bad choice. Bad there. pick. We warned him right afterwards, like, "Hey, dude, not a good pick." And he's like, "I'm sticking with it." But I'm like, but but uh, okay, Johnny Johnny's got the uh, best record so far. He does, yeah. I, I believe right now him and I are tied, um, but it's all going to depend on that um, on this Chiefs game because I have the Bills right now, and he's got the on the he's got the Chiefs. So we could be rolling into an interesting one here. But uh, you're you're I think you're, I believe you're a game back. Yeah, I have the worst record because I chose the Colts. <laughs> because I chose the Colts. You also chose the uh, the Bears. So I, I I did choose the Bears. Not the best there, but I I do believe in you. Next season though, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a bet right now with you. Let's let's put on a bet here. Okay, okay so so we're gonna mark this down here, January twentieth as we film this. We're 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 making a bet. Okay. I will have better picks than you at the end of next year's regular season. <laughs> I will clearly, I will gladly wager you on that. And, and if I finish with the worst record, I will drive to every restaurant, fast food restaurant here in Orlando. I will order chicken off their menu. I'll take it all in bucket. I'll have a, a bite of each, and you can film it. You can watch me suffer. That'll be my punishment. I, I got to think of yours. Yeah, you got to think of mine. I'll gladly take that one. That's how confident I am in my picks. Okay. I didn't. I didn't even get a full season of picks this year. Okay, neither did I. Let's be honest. I reset once you got in. You had like what three three week advantage. I just did better than you. I reset after three, you got three in week here. advantage. Hey, three, three week. Advantage. I, hey, it was my practice weeks. I did well and I beat him. 
Yeah, okay. Fair enough there. But uh, before we sign off, we want to give a huge thank you to Desolate for our outro music, Louisville Slugger. Check him out in the show notes below mm -hmm. and go follow him on, on Instagram at OfficialDesolate. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Odyssey Collective, also in the show notes below. This was the Takes on Tap Show brought to you by Belly Up Sports.